1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We now know driver distraction is partly to blame for a fatal crash involving an ambulance and train two years ago. The TSB investigation concluded the driver was using a cell phone, which technically is not illegal for first responders. Ted Chernecki explains why the family of the woman who died is outraged.
1: Mm. Captured by a dash cam, the dramatic moment when a freight train smashed into a BC ambulance at Glover Road in Langley. Today, the Transportation Safety Board releasing its report, and there is no shortage of blame as to what contributed to the fatal collision. Drivers were presented with conflicting information in that they had the warning system telling them it's not safe to go out, and the green lights uh, presented uh, go-ahead. It's just after 11 a.m. A freight train is approaching Crush Crescent and Glover Road. The ambulance has already crossed the first set of tracks, but has stopped as the rail crossing arms come down. The driver tries to inch the vehicle clear of the tracks twice. The shocker is that during the whole time, the driver is on a personal cell phone.
3: Yesterday at the PTSB, they confirmed that yes, he was on the phone. And even on the phone at the moment of impact. That was surprising. So, Just shocking.
1: BC Ambulance doesn't give employees cell phones, has no hands-free equipment installed in its vehicles, and discourages, that's the key word, discourages cell phone use.
4: We do not want our employees to use uh, cell phones uh, while they're taking care of patients.
1: But in B.C., first responders are exempt from distracted driving charges. This RCMP vehicle was recently caught on a dash cam crossing the Portman Bridge. The report does cite the complexity of this particular rail crossing, but the nephew doesn't believe his aunt would have been killed if not for that cell phone.
3: Yes, there's a lot going on at an intersection, but if you're not distracted,
1: you can cope.
4: We have learned a lot from this report, and uh, we've made a lot of changes as a result.
1: That Langley rail crossing has since had several improvements to minimize those conflicting signals. And BC Ambulance says it's improved training as well as reinforced to staff the importance of staying off their phones while on the job. But there's no movement afoot to change the law that exempts first responders from cell phone use while driving. Ted Turner, Global News. Breaking details now on a double homicide in Vancouver's
2: West End. Sources tell Global News one of the victims contacted police a few weeks ago saying she was extremely worried about her own safety. Romina Day is live with more on this. And Romina, what have you learned?
5: Well, Chris, the man that this woman was apparently worried about still lives in the building here, and we are being told that he is the person of interest in this homicide investigation. Now, sources tell us that 57-year-old Sandra McInnes was so concerned that she had her locks changed recently. She even had a chain put on her door and that the man allegedly harassing her was sending her 10 to 12 text messages that day and the less that she talked to him, the more it agitated he became. Now, sources say about two weeks ago, as you mentioned, police came to this building to interview McGinnis but there was no follow-up. They don't know if police ever made contact with the man and no charges were laid. The condo's board of directors confirmed yesterday that there was an incident. Take a listen.
6: We know that to date, Nothing that was said by him constituted, in the legal sense, a threat.
5: Right. But there were complaints made, then, about his
7: actions? Mm. There was a, a police report filed. I was uh, told by the police that there had been a report. I don't know much about it.
5: Do you know who filed the report?
7: Was it a resident? Yes.
5: Now, residents we talked to today, Chris, were extremely disappointed to hear this news. We reached out to the VPD to find out whatever happened to that investigation. They're not commenting because of the current homicide file. Chris?
2: Well, let's talk about this investigation. It's been five days now. Is there any word yet on charges?
5: Chris, no one is in custody, no charges have been laid. This is still an active crime scene. The police are still here, but once they're done, the person of interest is going to be able to return home. So the board of directors know that there's nothing they can do about that if no charges are laid. So they are preparing themselves. They've beefed up security. They're going to be tripling it and all the locks have been changed. Chris.
2: Very strange case indeed. Thanks very much for Dea in Vancouver. Fire crews responding to a major fire in Abbotsford late this afternoon. A barn along Township Line and Bell Road going up in flames. It's a total write-off, but thankfully there was no livestock in the barn, just equipment. No words so far on what sparked that fire. Fresh concerns on the wildfire front tonight. While the weather appears to be cooperating at this moment, there are fears gusty winds forecast for the weekend could spread the fires into new areas. Right now, there are two major fires burning around Ashcroft and Cache Creek. You can see the size of the fires encroaching on the towns in this graphic. Near 100 Mile House, another major wildfire burning and inching closer to the city center over the past few days. And there are a number of wildfires burning in and around Williams Lake, six of them causing the most concern. One burning west of the town, forcing an evacuation alert, although thankfully the winds haven't pushed it any closer so far our sophie louis is in williams lake tonight where residents are waiting to see what the weekend brings sophie
8: yeah it definitely has been a waiting game all week since that evacuation alert was issued on monday chris today pretty much status quo for the people of williams lake uh, the fires that are burning around this town between 40 and 60 percent contained uh, crews managing to uh continue their work because weather conditions have been mostly favorable for them but as you said they're waiting to see what the weekend brings now elsewhere in the province as you mentioned many fires burning in princeton tonight you can see smoke rising from several hillsides on the fire lines surrounding that community crews are cutting down trees and carrying out controlled burns in an effort to get rid of any excess fuel for that wildfire shelby tom has more on that fight Fighting fire with fire. This is what the battle looks like
9: on the ground. More than 150 firefighters taking on a 3,000-hectare blaze 10 kilometers northeast of Princeton. It's aggressively burning in dense timber and dry brush, prompting the evacuation of 350 area homes. The Wildfire Service first created this fire guard. They're now doing controlled burns, burning the ground fuel to prevent the fire from spreading.
10: By eliminating the fuels on the edge of the fire guard, what we're doing is we're actually increasing the width of that guard. And we have control of the fire by putting it on the ground ourselves.
9: Firefighters cut down hazardous trees.
10: So as the fire goes through there and uh, the, for, the, the fields are that dry, that they, they burn up the base of the trees and they topple over on their own.
9: And lay a hose line to douse the perimeter of the fire.
10: We put the control line in, we make sure we've got water in place, and then we'll light up from the control line and then the main fire um, will actually start to pull the fire that we light into the base of it.
9: The biggest wild card, the wind. With gusts of up to 50 kilometers an hour expected this weekend, crews are getting ready for the battle to heat up. The conditions so dry, the flames even burn right through this tree stump. The Princeton area fire is burning on multiple hillsides, but is now considered 10% contained, much to the relief of area residents left on edge. But they aren't out of the woods just yet.
8: Shelby Tom, Global News, near Princeton. Now, just to the west of Williams Lake in the Chilcotin region, a huge fire is burning. Actually, a number of fires, uh, we've been calling them the Hansville fires, estimated to be about 10,000 hectares altogether. But it's hard to put an exact size on that because it's so smoky. This is Highway 20, where we saw flare-up after flare-up for kilometres. Some flames just steps from the road. We saw trees candling, the ground smoldering, the smoke was thick all around firefighters and helicopters working on these fires here but it is so big and widespread right now and the conditions are really challenging. It is an exhausting fight for crews on the front line, but thankfully some reinforcements arrived today. A crew of about 15 firefighters landing in Prince George from Manitoba. That crew, plus a crew of 20 from Prince George, will now be heading to Williams Lake to help in the fires around this town.
0: We're not even certain where we'll be deployed to yet. I mean, that's up to BC to make the decision, but... Uh where you know they'll prioritize and they'll deploy us from there so we're just arriving so uh, we're, we're happy to be here How and happy to help out bc
5: well it could be have a big pack impact on prince george because uh well, like you said like i said you just don't know what it's going to do eh like the you know the weather could get hotter it usually does and with all these people coming here um we could be next you just never know right and then where do we go so hopefully the weather stays good and we get these under control
8: now, in Prince George tonight, the number of registered evacuees continues to climb. Now, more than 6,000 people are registered uh, as evacuees in that city. And that has prompted the city to put out a call for help for more volunteers. In fact, they held a day-long volunteer drive. And that's where we find our Nadia Stewart, live in Prince George tonight. Nadia? Nadia?
4: Yeah, that's right. Even before the doors at the Volunteer Centre opened today, Sophie, hundreds had signed up online. So between those who signed up online and those who showed up this morning, more than a thousand stepped up to help. Job. Four hundreds in Prince George. It is the least they can do. I'm open to anything right now, whatever they need help with, registering evacuees or like, like buying supplies or whatever.
5: It's just nice to be able to give one hand to many people.
4: Many offering a helping hand, signing up to volunteer in their city to help wildfire evacuees whose stories have been tugging at their heartstrings. (laughs) Uh, It's, um, you know, it's it's, uh, really overwhelming. Sorry, and I just want to I can't even imagine what they're going through, and so I think anything that I can do to help folks out. I haven't lost anything.
5: I haven't lost anything in a
4: while. I haven't had to
5: leave my home or my pets, it's nice to come out here and help out.
4: And help is needed. Thousands of evacuees registering in Prince George as they escape the threat of fire. And as the risk persists throughout the Caribou region. Prince George braces for more. At the University of Northern BC, crews lay temporary flooring over an indoor soccer field. The plan is to put 460 cots in here, on top of the 180 cots already being used elsewhere in the building. An unprecedented response for an unprecedented wildfire season.
2: Every day it's something different with the weather, uh, something different with potential evacuations and the impact on communities like Hunter Mile House, Cash Creek, throughout the entire Caribou, I think we're all just trying to get our head wrapped around it because there are times when it doesn't even seem real.
4: But to the people who'll soon be calling this place home, it is real. And it isn't easy. And not knowing what lies ahead prompts many here to help while they can. We want to give what we can while we can because it could be any one of us, right? And there's been a development here in Prince George. There will be a town hall tonight at 8 o'clock at UNBC for evacuees. Representatives from the BC Wildfire Service, the Caribou Regional District, and Northern Health will all be on hand, Sophie, to answer questions for evacuees.
8: And I'm sure uh, there a lot of evacuees will be wanting to attend that meeting. A lot of folks from here in Williams Lake and the surrounding areas up in Prince George right now. Nadia, thank you very much for that. Uh, one more note to this story today, Chris, and that is Premier-designate John Horgan uh, did an aerial tour of the fire zones, and that includes Williams Lake as well. He didn't make himself available to the media following that, but he did tweet out that it is devastating to see the scale of the fires from above, and he says crews are doing everything they can to contain the fires Chris
2: certainly is All right, thanks very much Sophie Sophie Louis for us uh, tonight incredible coverage and it's been amazingly almost a week since those first evacuation alerts and orders went into place coming up a sign of the Times in Wally for 22 years they've run the Tokachi Japanese restaurant in the heart of the community putting their children through university and enjoying a modest income but the owners Say factors out of their control are ruining the business. Why they say they're being forced to shut the restaurant down and move out in just over a minute. Drivers stuck in traffic when the unthinkable happens. The mudslide that could have been so much worse as it happened caught on camera later on the news hour. And victims of the BC wildfires include stars of the hit TV show Timber Kings. Why they're sticking around to fight. No matter what, coming up. Well, it's been a popular fixture of Surrey's restaurant scene for more than two decades, but at the end of this month, the Tokachi Japanese restaurant will close its doors for good. As John Waugh reports, its owners say it's a victim of the infamous Wally Strip.
11: Each slice, every artful dish, part of a dream that began 22 years ago.
10: For my customer to really Japanese food, like old-fashioned. The
11: owners naming the restaurant after their village in Japan, Tokachi, finding a successful start in Surrey's transitioning Wally neighborhood.
7: This restaurant seats about 100, and like during one lunch period, we'd run through the whole place twice, sometimes even three times through.
11: But then the transition of this neighborhood took a downward turn. Drugs, homelessness, and prostitution— Taking hold.
7: Customers are afraid to come in this area and this neighborhood altogether.
11: Once a thriving business, barely able to stay afloat, even lowered rent, not enough to keep them out of the red.
10: I don't want no more anymore for you know losing money.
11: Over the past two years, any prospective buyers scared away by the location. So Fumio Sagaeshi and Junko Kadama saying goodbye to their dream at the end of the month.
1: Family run-owned business, it's
11: their their livelihood, and then just to end up like that, it is pretty sad.
9: What's happened on the street behind
12: them, I feel for them. I feel for everyone that has a business around here.
11: No one from the city was available for comment. What the future holds for these Wally business owners, no longer certain.
7: This isn't like a government job where there's a pension. When that retirement plan kind of doesn't pan out, then what are you left with?
11: At Tokachi, the toughest part of abandoning a dream built over a lifetime. (laughs) Saying goodbye to those who stopped by to share it along the way. John Hua, Global News.
2: It looks like the Grouse Mountain Resort is about to change hands. In response to a report yesterday, Grouse released a statement today saying a deal has been reached and should close in the coming days. Grouse won't release any more details until then, But the Globe and Mail says a Chinese investment group will be the new owner. The wildfires bear down on the stars of the hit TV show Timber Kings.
3: None of us are going to give up.
2: What they're doing to make sure they don't lose any more property to the flames. And Donald Trump's trip to France, overshadowed by the email scandal back home. But if there is one among the devastation of these wildfires is the sense of community that emerges, the outpouring of support for all those affected, including from a B.C. town that survived one of the most destructive fires in B.C.'s history. Lynn Collier explains how Barrier is paying it forward. Lyn.
6: Chris, 14 years ago, Barrier was the top story when a discarded cigarette butt caused a forest fire that engulfed 26,000 hectares of land and destroyed 72 homes. The people around here built this memorial to thank everyone who came out in their time of need and now they want to give back. These are not the faces of your typical fire evacuee. More than 100 horses are calling Barrier home for now. Good girls. Helping care for them, Jill Hayward, who remembers having to save her own horses in 2003. We ran in front of the fire because the wind was
7: 60 kilometer an hour winds. The fire was making its own wind. It was horrendous how fast the flames were moving.
6: Really scary.
4: Be a good boy.
6: Christina Leduc is thankful her 50 horses are safe. She had to flee the Little Fort fire on Friday. Since then, she's been helping look after all the animals. We
4: had so much help getting our animals out. You know, when it was just so chaotic and there was animals coming in here, there, and everywhere, and I offered to give Jill a hand, and I'm just happy to be able to give back and and do whatever I can and, and give people reassurance that their animals are absolutely okay and being very well looked after.
6: The town of Barrier has opened its hearts, its doors, its pastures, to two-legged and four-legged evacuees, and it's a feeling that goes all the way to the top.
4: The community is really pulling together. They're going out of their way to reassure people and help them, because we know what it feels like.
6: Even 14 years later, the burned trees stand like blackened reminders of 75 days of an inferno that consumed this community.
4: I don't see the burnt trees anymore. I mean, I have to consciously look and say, yes, there are burnt trees. Now I see some of the green up that's happened and some of the new growth and that kind of thing. So I don't see it anymore.
6: You just see the good?
4: I just see the good, yeah.
6: Yeah, And everyone's been so hands-on and helping with feed, with hay and helping with water. So the people have been brilliant, really helpful. I
7: have a huge number of volunteers. A lot of four H families have come out and we've got the little kids that are coming out in the morning and they're cleaning the stalls and, and helping to walk the horses and watering them and people are coming cleaning water buckets and, so and it really is
6: a community event. It's
7: huge and everybody knows it's a it's a community effort.
6: No one knows how long this provincial state of emergency is going to remain in effect or how long it's going to take to get these forest fires under control. But everyone in the town of Barrier says they're in it for the long haul. They'll be here for whoever needs them. Chris?
2: No doubt they will. Thanks very much for that, Lynn. And it's always one of the most astounding sights in the aftermath of a wildfire. Some homes burned to the ground, others right next door virtually untouched. Global's Paul Hasem spoke today with two residents of the community of Boston Flats who were on both sides of that equation.
10: I wanted my cousins to be on TV. <laughs> Walking with her children, Pat Gauthier is keeping family very close.
11: I was in Camloops getting my husband's prescription when we found out that Boston Flats was leveled.
10: When flames roared in last Friday, Boston Flats had seconds to evacuate. Pat's husband, who's disabled, was alone and not answering the phone.
11: I didn't know where he was, didn't know if he got out. It took us five hours to find him,
10: so he's safe. But the community was not. The 60-unit mobile home park quite literally flattened by fire. Incredibly, one home survived.
7: How is it possible that one place can have visibly virtually no damage? I don't understand it.
10: Fire crews sprayed the park with one pass from the air. That retardant only hitting Sherry's home. One wildfire, two very different fates.
11: I lost my cats in that fire. I'm not sure I want to see where they died. Like that's just sickening. My rosebush is there. Silly things like that.
10: When the community took a tour on Tuesday, it was those small things that gave them something to hold on to. Hope lost, but help. A plenty the amount of
11: workers that are here, the amount of firefighters out there, other first responders it's absolutely amazing. It just shows that BC is a is a community. It's not a huge area. it's just a community.
10: One community lost a much bigger one gained. Paul Heyom Global News.
2: Well, these fires also have some B.C. television personalities fighting to save their livelihood. Pioneer Homes, the people who build those multi-million dollar log homes on the HGTV show Timber Kings, have lost one of their three building sites to the fire. They're now focusing on saving the other two. When flames began creeping up on that first site, they elected to help friends evacuate their homes rather than trying to save their property.
3: Williams Lake, there's a lot of hardy people here, you know, they they live here for a reason. They work in the mills, they work in the mines, they work in the forestry, you know, they're not going to give up, you know, none of us are going to give up, you know, you get out the people that need to get out, the kids and the, the older folks and the people that aren't healthy and the rest of us to stay here and we'll, we'll beat this thing, you know.
2: A lot of people in British Columbia right behind you. Now, the promise of a breakthrough treatment for leukemia.
3: It was working through a lot of failures to find a configuration that that now appears to work really well.
2: Gene therapy on the verge of approval in the U.S. and what BC researchers are doing to make it available here. Also, drivers wiped off the road by a huge mudslide
13: caught on dash camera. Ms. Payette's life has been one dedicated to discovery, to dreaming big, and to always staying focused on the things that matter most. The steady and Prime Minister the Justin
2: Trudeau he announcing today that former Canadian President astronaut Julie Payette right will be this country's 29th Governor General. Among her many accomplishments, the 53-year-old jet pilot was the first Canadian woman aboard the International Space Station. Payette today paying tribute to the man she's replacing.
14: And the task will be hard because it requires to follow in the footsteps of giants. Governor General David Johnson has been an engaging force and a pillar of wisdom in the last seven years. He will not be easily replaced.
2: Fluent in French and English and Russian after so much time on the space station. Well, U.S. President Donald Trump is in Paris tonight at the invitation of French President Emmanuel Macron. And while the meetings have been relatively cordial, Trump still managed to create some controversy. Microphones caught Trump complimenting Macron's wife. Well, that raised some eyebrows with some critics suggesting Trump was commenting on the fact the French president's wife is 24 years older than Macron. Well, it's a popular pastime at an airport in the Caribbean. People get incredibly close to jetliners taking off to feel the powerful thrust of the engines. But now for the first time, the thrill-seeking novelty in St. Martin has turned deadly.
0: On the Caribbean island of St. Martin, it's been an unofficial tourist attraction for years. Beachgoers gathering right next to the airport runway, watching planes land just feet over their heads and take off right in front of them. The powerful engine thrust often blowing tourists into the water at Maho Beach. This dramatic video from 2012 showing one woman being tossed into a concrete barrier. She survived. But on Wednesday, an unidentified 57-year-old woman from New Zealand traveling with her husband and another couple was killed when she was blown into the same wall. Uh, She was the only one who... Uh, slipped uh, or lost her grip. A journalist on the island says more than a decade ago, authorities installed larger signs and double fencing to warn tourists to stay away from the dangerous area. We call them thrill seekers. Why can tourists get so close? Because the location of the airport is so unusual. The beginning of the runway is just 160 feet from that fence, where they gather and about the same distance from the
2: waterline. The velocity of the wind behind a jet engine at takeoff is well in excess of 100 miles an hour.
0: Tonight, officials in St. Martin say police patrols are on alert, urging thrill seekers to avoid a risk that for the first time has turned deadly. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News.
2: Some dramatic and rare video now of a mudslide as it happened in southern China. Traffic moving slowly along a highway when all of a sudden, cars and trucks are swept aside. Eight vehicles carrying 16 people were partially buried, but miraculously no one was killed. Most managed to scramble out of windows. Three people were injured. Officials blame heavy rainfall for the slide. Well, when the kids got to eat, the kids got to eat. Global viewer Brett Busey sneaks around a corner in Seashelt and captures video of a fawn feeding happily in the middle of a residential street. At one point, mom wants to move to a safer spot, but baby isn't done. Finally, the mother decides to make a run for it, the hungry fawn, in very close pursuit and presumably caught up shortly after that. Well, the news ricocheted around the world. A breakthrough cancer treatment recommended for approval by the U.S. FDA. It reprograms a patient's own DNA so the immune system seeks out and destroys cancer cells. And here in B.C., researchers are hoping to perfect the treatment, too. Linda Aylesworth reports.
12: 12-year-old Emily Whitehead is alive today because of an experimental cancer treatment that put her leukemia into remission when nothing else could. It's called CAR-T therapy, developed in the United States.
3: And so what yield do you think you are to get out of that volume? You
8: gave me over 10 milligrams.
12: Now the BC Cancer Agency is preparing for clinical trials in this country.
3: It's a way to genetically engineer a patient's own immune cells so that they target the tumor cells that they would otherwise be ignoring.
12: In particular, the cancer cells responsible for leukemia and lymphoma. The body's immune cells, called T-cells, ignore the cancer because they can't find it.
3: Even though the mutations in cancer make the cells appear foreign, they still appear much like your own healthy cells.
12: CAR-T therapy extracts the patient's immune cells, genetically engineers them so they can recognize the cancer, then returns them to the patient. It's
3: much more targeted, yes, a much more selective therapy, uh, although there can still be fairly severe side effects.
12: Even so, of the 300 terminal patients in the U.S. who received the therapy, Emily Whitehead being the very first, 50 to 90 percent went into remission. Now in the BC Cancer Agency's Holt Lab, they're gearing up for our own trials.
3: They're actually manufacturing DNA. So they're uh, making lots and lots of copies of the piece of DNA that uh, is used to modify a patient's T-cells.
12: They hope to begin trials in 2019. Those eligible will be blood cancer patients who have exhausted all of their therapies without success.
3: I mean, there's, there's an element of excitement uh, among the team and, and within the field that, that I haven't seen for a very long time. The
12: Aylesworth, Global News.
2: And one other quick health note, the Loblaw chain is recalling one of its chicken products because it could expose consumers to salmonella. The recall affects President's Choice Pub Recipe Chicken Nuggets with the best before date of March 15, 2018. Sold at No Frills, Real Canadian Superstore and other stores. Customers can return the product to any store where President's Choice products are sold for a full refund with or without a receipt. A shocker at the ATM for one unsuspecting customer. What came out of the machine was a banknote but not the kind you'd expect. Why it led to a rescue coming up. And what might be the best excuse to enjoy a good laugh later on the hour. You're watching Global NewsHour at 6. Well, people using this ATM in Texas couldn't quite believe what was coming out of it. And many didn't know what to do. We've got that story right after the forecast. We're going to check in with Christy Gordon right now is out on the road in Burnaby for the Giro de Burnaby, another one of those amazing cycling events. Christy.
14: Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, it is so exciting down here. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. You know, this is one of the most uh, exciting pro-cycling events in all of Canada. People come from all over the world to be a part of it, and what's happening right now is the women's event, and uh, one woman just pulled away from the pack. She's from UBC. Uh, She's one of the newer riders, and uh, it's been really, really exciting watching her be pulled or pull herself away from the pack, and she is leading right now. Uh, Now, this is uh, on Hastings in Burnaby, where between Will and in Holden, and it's what they call a closed circuit event, so they go back and forth, and it means that it's super fast and really exciting for the residents here in Burnaby. If you want to come down, the men's event happens at 7.15, so still lots more uh, to enjoy down here And to ma- if you want to make it down. Now, while we're enjoying the sunshine, uh, there's tough times going on in the interior, and I wanted to give you an idea of what they're dealing with in uh, Ashcroft. There were gusty winds in areas like Princeton today, but for the most part, uh, the winds died down a little bit across the province, and you can see that here in Ashcroft. There were some winds up to, it got up to about 30 kilometers an hour earlier, and in fact, blue was uh, in many parts of the province across the south earlier, but now that is really reduced. That is good, good news. Uh, in areas from Mile House north, not much wind today. They had a real reprieve across uh, many areas. Now, the stormy conditions you can see there, that didn't transpire as well, so that was good news. All the storms were off and Alberta. In fact, there were reports of a tornado southwest of Edmonton just about an hour ago and there's still tornado watches in effect. Smoke advisory right across the province, that air quality advisory, but the good news is we had a nice southwest wind and that blew the smoke for the most part away and you could see most of it off in Alberta. Tomorrow, though, if we put it into motion you'll see uh, the smoke will spread in Alberta and Saskatchewan many, many kilometers, but hopefully clear again across Southern BC, but I am expecting more smoke in areas like the Caribou and the Central Interior because of a couple key fires, potentially the Ashcroft and the Anaheim Lake fire tomorrow. Uh, Wet across the northern part of the province, very wet in fact, but across the south, hot and sunny. We're talking about mid 30 temperatures and uh, relative humidity less than 20%. South Coast, that means spectacular weather, but keep in mind the uh, fire danger rating in parts of Vancouver Island is at an extreme level right now. And as you can see, no rain in sight. Now we have one birthday for you tonight. Mary Young celebrating 100 years in Langley. Congratulations. And our weather window from Duxedora's neighbor. We found out his name. His name is Andy Jones. And this is just a great reminder. You need to make sure your bird feeder's out of the way so that the bears can't get it. But great shot. So thank you so much. The excitement goes on down here at the uh, Giro de Burnaby. Again, the uh, Peloton. I think that's the name. I'm not big on uh, biking events and that I just don't know enough about it, but um, you can see a couple riders out in front, so it's very exciting for everyone here in the community in Burnaby, Chris.
2: They are flying tonight. All right, thanks very much. Looks like a beautiful evening up there in Burnaby. Thank you very much. Well, we're all familiar with getting a receipt from an ATM, but bank customers in Corpus Christi, Texas, were pulling out something entirely unexpected. The bank machine began spitting out help messages. Like this one that reads, I'm stuck in here and I don't have a phone. Please call my boss with the number attached. Many people thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. A contractor was, in fact, locked in the small room behind the machine. He spent a couple of hours in there before someone finally took one of his notes seriously and called police. Amazing. Well, coming up in sports, it's the year of the 30-somethings. 37-year-old venus williams reaches the wimbledon final and sometimes you just have to laugh if only to prevent yourself from crying how people are marking international day of laughter coming up well who was it that one said the kids are all right was it the no who lyric? the who <laughs> the who yeah. said the kids are all right but they're just they're not as good as the 30-somethings right now
13: well the who's no longer 30-something <laughs> still big they're the, not kids the tunes well They play their old tunes pretty well. Uh, But that's another topic. Tennis in 2017 is not safe for millennials. 35-year-old Roger Federer, 31-year-old Rafael Nadal, 35-year-old Serena Williams have all won Grand Slams this year. And Serena did it when she was pregnant at the Australian Open. But of all the 30-somethings who have been mistreating the tennis youth this year, the oldest and most surprising is Venus Williams she is thirty seven she probably still has a myspace account and even though she hasn't actually won a grand slam tournament since two thousand eight she has been the two grand slam finals this year wimbledon being the latest
3: keeps her she was
13: taking on johanna conta the hope of great britain today seated higher than venus williams and at one point in the first set it looked like conta was going to break williams and possibly pull away but it was right there that Williams turned everything around what do you think of this for a second sir with that's
8: the nice. way
13: I'm sorry kid you're not breaking me Serena's watching her older sister do what she normally does she won the second make that the first set six to four. And she just rolled in the second set. Garbine Margaruzza will be her opponent in the final, who actually lost to Serena two years ago at Wimbledon. But Venus Williams is in the final this year at Wimbledon. Well, the Lions are on the road again this week in Hamilton, Saturday. It's three straight road games for BC. They've won both those road games that they've played before, the one that's coming up this weekend. But their much-hyped passing game really hasn't taken off yet. However... The quarterback says these are early days, so everybody chill.
14: We did the same thing last year. Um, I started out, I think I had one touchdown in the first three games last year and, uh, you know, struggled a little bit early on. But, uh, you know, it it just takes us all getting on the same page. I think that we're going to be, I know that we'll be fine, uh, and it'll come when it comes.
13: The Canada Cup Fast Pitch Tournament is on right now. and It's once again an event where Olympians and future Olympians will play because after four straight Olympic games for women's softball, the sport was kicked out of the Olympics for 2012 and 2016, but it is back for 2020 in Japan. The moment softball players disappeared from the Olympics, there was an effort to bring it back. And Japan had a big part in that. Tokyo was hosting the 2020 Summer Games, and they lobbied the IOC to give the sport a second Olympic chance.
4: I actually play in Japan, so um, there's a buzz around the sport over there, and there always has been a buzz in Japan. It's, um, they play it professionally over there, and they're sponsored by companies. So, um, yeah, it's a good time to be over there, and, and certainly around the world. Yeah, everyone's pumped about it. Oh!
13: Which is quite a contrast after being left out of the 2012 and 2016 Summer Games. Funding of many national teams dropped when the Olympic dream was taken away, and some players quit the sport as well. It certainly impacted some of
1: the decision-making for our girls um, back in Australia, and and some of them have now made the decision that they're considering coming back, which is great for our program, and I'm sure that's um, had the same sort of impact around the world a little bit.
12: Just for it to come back is just like... It's something you dream about when you're little for so long to be able to the sport that you choose to play when you're growing up and to see that no longer be in the the Olympics and that's not an option for you to see it go away and then to see it come back is, is just a huge opportunity.
13: There will be one big difference though. The four Olympic softball tournaments that were held had eight teams in each of them. Canada always qualified. In 2020 only six teams will be allowed in and Canada has stiff competition just to make the cut.
14: Japan's a really great team. They work hard all year round. Um, USA is always another one that gives us a run for our money. Um, Australia, Netherlands, Mexico. There's so many good teams out there, and those are just to name a few of them.
13: John Deere Classic. Need a big club to hit that one.
1: I don't think that'll ever get in the hole, (laughs) in my opinion.
13: Charles Howell the third. Former castaway with Gilligan. Wow. Bends this birdie in. 863. I know that's really that's kicking it old school. That really that's is. that's like me TV stuff.
10: As yes, he <laughs>
13: should. <laughs> Ali Schneider approach from 213 yards away to eight feet. He is tied with Howell at minus eight. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford had a rough day. Five over seventy-six. At
14: the Tour Moving de France,
1: Martin into position.
13: stage 12, Irishman, Fabio a go, makes a move, looking
10: down from a tower. Fabio
13: and Aru, Aru making a move late on yellow it's jersey holder Christopher Froome, Roman Bardet wins the stage, but Aru takes the it's yellow Bardet. jersey and now has control Ured. of the Tour de France by just six seconds, but he gets the coveted As jersey. He pulls
2: on the There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. For now, anyway. For now. All right. Andrew is here with a preview of Global News tonight at 11. And Thanks,
9: Chris. Two people have been arrested in Williams Lake after allegedly being caught with stolen property from evacuated homes. RCMP made the arrest following a vehicle stop. A 27-year-old man and a 24-year-old woman have been taken into custody and are facing possible charges. And we are at UNBC tonight in Prince George for a special town hall meeting for evacuees. Representatives from the B.C. Wildfire Service, the Caribou Regional District, and Northern Health will all be in attendance to answer questions. We will bring you the outcome of that meeting when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris?
2: All right, and Thanks very much for that. And if you have the blues, we have the cure. Coming up after the
13: break. Laughter. It's the oh, that's right here. It's best man. Coming up on ET Canada, star reaction to their primetime Emmy nominations, plus we're in L.A. for the Game of Thrones Season 7 celebration, and we join HGTV star Scott McGilvery as he digs in and helps out Habitat for Humanity. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you.
2: All right, thanks very much, Paul. Well, listen, no disrespect at all to anybody who is struggling in this province right now with the effects of the wildfires, but frivolity was the focus of an unusual news conference in Vancouver today at the site
13: of one of the city's most recognizable and polarizing public works. I find it a bit creepy myself. If (laughs) you come upon those in the dark and aren't expecting them, you'd be creeped out. You are not alone. Well, as Jill Bennett reports, city officials are defending their day of laughter event,
2: despite its somewhat unusual location and timing.
7: <laughs> it might sound silly but today is all about busting a gut it's
0: my uh, great honor to proclaim thursday july the 13th 2017 as the day of laughter in the city of vancouver laughter. that's
7: right it's officially a day of laughter with a special guest the artist behind the amazing laughter statues in english bay on his first visit here from china but while the mood here is as lighthearted as can be, the endless laughing is taking place just metres from a building where a double homicide is still actively being investigated by police. I don't think that that means that we don't take the social challenges that we have in our city very seriously, and we do. Um, but we also need to celebrate a lot of what is phenomenal about living in Vancouver, and the b and art is a big part of that but is dedicating a day to side-splitting frivolity and fun being a little tone-deaf. When thousands of British Columbians remain out of their homes as wildfires burn in other parts of the province, the mayor says he doesn't think so.
0: This event was planned a long time ago to bring the artists for the first time to Vancouver who created this art, and that's what this is about. It uh, has no connection or, or correlation to what's happening around the province, and I think we're all very concerned about the forest fires and everybody's safety throughout the province. <laughs>
7: But if you were too busy to join in the fun on the now official Day of Laughter, don't worry. While many of the Biennale art installations are temporary, the laughing statues are here to stay and bring more smiles every day of the year. Jill Bennett, Global News.